2: Welcome to Sharing Socks, a much-delayed edition. Very unusual for us to miss a week during the regular season, but uh, one of us, the younger one, has been on jury duty for a couple of weeks, and that has really backed us up. I'm Lee Allen, the duty geezer for Southside Socks, and with me my son, and usually he's the West Coast correspondent, Will. I'm sitting in his kitchen, so we're both West Coast correspondents this week. And with us, a very special guest whom we have put off and put, put off unfairly because Will's been at jury duty, uh, Neil Payne, who's a senior writer and general editor for 538, or if you prefer the full formal name, 538.com, which I know from comments and, and content and articles on South Side, Side many of you are familiar with. For those who are not, uh, 538 begun by master statistician, Nate Silver, back in the aughts. And as you might guess from the number 538, it's not coincidence that that's the number of electoral votes in the U.S. And again, it's a political aggregation and analyz- analyzation site and then spread into all many other fields. And, and of course, if you're going to spread into fields in your statistics nut. You go into sports. And if you get into sports in your statistics nut, you go to baseball and get plenty of that. As I understand it, Neil, your background was originally in basketball. Really? You worked for the Atlanta Hawks?
3: Yeah, that's right. First of all, thanks for having me on the show, guys. Uh, I, I have to say a little bit of the delay was on me also because there I had a little bit of a snafu getting to a place where I could record coming home from a Mets game uh, a couple weeks ago. So I, I thank you for bearing with me uh, through
2: all that. What we want to do, now, Neil just uh, posted a couple of days ago a brilliant piece on the big controversy of 2022, the ball And uh, the balls that are not leaving parks, which those of us who are old time baseball fans are very happy about, but a whole lot of people are used to hitting the ball the long way are not happy (laughs) about Uh, that can go either way, according to your taste. But what we want to get to is that 538 every year predicts how the season's going to turn out. Now, everybody with a keyboard does that, but very few then keep following through. Most of them would just assume you forgot (laughs) very quickly. And, uh, Amongst the way, Pakoda is one that famously does that, which I, in looking up information on the, I found out Nate Silver founded Pakoda as well, which is interesting because your numbers don't agree. So somewhere the algorithms (laughs) split they're close, but they don't agree. Um, But 538, after every game, game finishes, two minutes later, boom, they have made some kind of alteration on how many games they predict a team will win what their chances are of winning their division, getting, making the playoffs, winning the World Series, and so forth. And then what I'd really like to do is go back, because you, you rate every team, you give it points, kind of between fourteen and sixteen hundred. Dodgers to Orioles basically, and this way it goes. The season is coming up. How do you determine those those team values? And then where do you go from there?
3: Yeah, so those ratings, those numbers, that 1,400 to 1,600, that's this number called the ELO rating, which I can kind of get into how that works. But when we're sort of setting it up for the season – Usually um, when you have an ELO rating, it's designed to show like the current strength of a competitor, whether it's a team, whether it's an individual in an individual sport, it's been kept for tennis and things like that. It started out in chess. It's actually a rating that tracks the, the quality of like the world chess uh, rating. So if you know who the number one player in the world is, I think it's Magnus Carlsen. He has some kind of astronomical uh, ELO rating and it relates to his odds of beating an opponent with another rating uh, and. And his probability of winning that uh, chess match is based on the difference between the two ratings. So that's sort of the background on ELO. But uh, when we're going into a season, nobody's played any games yet this season, so we have to come up with initial ratings. And you mentioned Pekoda. Uh There's a lot of places out there that do these empirical ratings of how good a team is supposed to be based on the talent on the team. Uh, and so we, in the spirit of what we do for a lot of things like polls and and uh, various other sort of forecasts that we make, we aggregate together all of the various different, uh, you know, major publications, whether it's Fangraphs, Baseball Prospectus with Pocota, um, Vegas Odds, and also last year's ratings, and that, this is kind of an interesting component of it as well, is we found that in baseball, it's a sport with a lot of randomness, a lot of what we call regressing to the mean. So if you have an outlier performance, either good or bad in a given season, it tends to come back toward that 500, that uh, 81 and 81, or in ELO parlance, a 1500 rating. That's basically the perfectly average rating. Uh, You get dragged back toward that uh, by a somewhat significant degree relative to other sports between seasons. So we sort of take a, a weighted average of all of those different inputs but uh, the different computer systems and the Vegas odds and uh, a regressed version of last year's rating – and put it all together and we get sort of that preseason rating out of that and it the the way that we put it together the amount of weight that we give to the different ones is based on how accurate each has been in the past at predicting these types of things so you know we give less weight to last year's rating relative to something like a computer uh power rating that knows who has changed teams between years because uh it you know, it's, it's part of the equation, but the thing that knows about player movement obviously gets more weight and something like the Vegas over unders get a lot of weight because that is no one has yet found a computer, a pure computer algorithm that can beat the wisdom of crowds in Vegas. Uh, They're very smart and also they have a lot of money on the line. So it tends to make you really uh, uh, smart, really fast when you have that situation set up. So all of those things kind of get mashed together into the power rating that you see on our site in preseason. And then we run it through the schedule a hundred thousand times and we track how often each team wins the World Series, wins its division. And of course we had, to kind of revamp those uh, th- that that uh, setup when we were adding the new playoff slots for this year and and tracking the the different tiebreakers and stuff there and then as the season goes on and you mentioned that you know within minutes of a game ending we sort of pull the score we know who started the game we know uh, how well each starter performed and. Most importantly, how, uh, what odds we gave to each team going in and we'll update each team's rating off of that sort of in proportion to how unexpected the result was. So if you have a situation where, you know, the Orioles are playing the Dodgers and the Dodgers win by five or something like that, we really wouldn't change either team's rating that much because it's like, That's not all that surprising. You didn't have to really, you know, I'm not, I'm not falling out of my seat here over that. Now, if the Orioles won 15 to nothing, we would change the Dodgers and Orioles ratings. You know, not by a huge amount, but like you would notice that change, uh, you know, overnight uh, when that happens, because it was a very unexpected result. And that's sort of the elegance of that ELO system. Just to tie it back to that is it's a zero sum game. The, the two teams are sort of pushing shared points to the middle of the table when they play each other. And then based on the result, one team will take, uh, you know, some points from the other team in terms of their rating a- after the game if they won. Uh, and it, it really is is about it's a self-correcting system so if we end up being wrong about a team a lot and they have a lot of uh, unexpected wins then it will sort of catch up to that over time and it will think hey this team keeps winning we don't think of them that highly and yet they they keep doing this we should give them more rating points and eventually it sort of equalizes out where they get properly rated, we hope, if we've done our job right uh, over the course of a season. Now, it's not instantaneous, and there's injuries, and there's, you know, a million factors that make baseball the game that we love, and it's very unpredictable. But that's essentially the core of the system of, like, how it works from the start of the season, and and as we go through the season, how we update what we think about each team based on what we see from them on the field.
2: What, uh, you you mentioned injuries. Do do you make a change... If somebody goes, uh, and we're going to be White Sox centric in our questions, but in your answers go wherever you want. Uh, Lance Lynn is out for two months. Does that then, before any game results, alter the point value that you would, for example, give to the White Sox? Yeah, for a starting pitcher, it would.
3: So uh, we know about all the injuries through the different sort of depth chart based systems going into the year. So even if you're like star, you know, right fielder is out or second baseman or whatever catcher uh, that would be picked up in the predictions that we've aggregated from the different algorithms. Once the season gets started, we don't really know. We don't have like adjustments for individual batters being out during the year that sort of has to show up in if a team's offense falls apart part, it's sort of inferred from, from their drop-off in performance. But for starting pitchers, we actually would take into account injuries that happen in real time because each game, and I should have mentioned this earlier, when we're giving the odds of, you know, two teams against each other in a given game, that's not just based on the strength of the two teams sort of in the abstract or kind of in, in a vacuum over the course of the whole season, but it also has an adjustment for who, the particular starting pitchers are for each game so if you're sending your ace to the mound versus your fifth starter or some scrub that you put in it can have a surprisingly large effect on your probability of winning the game like it gets super extreme where I think it was uh, Pedro Martinez in 2000 when he was starting for the Red Sox their odds were like over 70 percent and when he wasn't starting their odds were in like the low 40s or something something like that like it really can swing things that when you're talking about an all-time ace pitcher uh, the 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 best pitchers even you know in the game now are less than that. Uh, there there is not really a Pedro uh, type of talent in in the game right now. But uh, so that is also taken into account. So if Lance Lynn goes down. Or any you know starter that carries a sizable adjustment for any given start, then you're going to get downgraded uh, over the the rest of the season or until he's expected to come back. And we'll pull from who the probable starters are, so it kind of tapers off over time. It'll be felt acutely in the near term. So Max Scherzer, you know, I'm a Mets fan. When he gets scratched from a start, uh, it'll drop. You know, we know what starts he was scheduled to make over the next week or two, so it'll drop really hard for Uh, for those, you know, uh, starts that he was scheduled for. But then into the future, we sort of take like an average of the team's uh, rotation and their current rotation uh, strength for for future games, you know, games months in the future, because we don't know who will make each start. Uh, And so it'll be a little bit less pronounced, but it'll definitely dock the overall projected quality of a team's rotation for its games uh, later in the season.
2: So so you're saying it really doesn't change – your evaluation if a position player gets it or a reliever uh, is going to be out for a long time. What what if there's a trade that is a considerable upgrade for a team, for a position player? Uh, I get Manny Machado. I mean, does, does that change your ratings or does that just come into play as you go?
3: Yeah, that's another one that it sort of has to figure out as you play better over the course of the season. And this is something where, like, the great thing about this system is we can make it more complex if we want to. And if, especially if there's like research that we find, either there's new data or just, you know, sort of, we, we feel like testing something that we add like a new wrinkle. Uh, and we've done this a lot, probably most notably in our basketball model, where we kind of tore the whole thing down. It used to work much like this baseball model that I'm describing and for various different reasons why the NBA is kind of weird compared to other sports, we tore the whole thing down and made a system that was purely based on player ratings. And so that would know about trades and injuries and all the whole nine yards. But in baseball, we we found in the past when we have kind of looked at it and maybe it's due for another look. But like any given one. Uh, position player doesn't tend to move the needle for a, a, a game to a significant degree that would probably warrant making those now if you're talking about like two or three injuries or trades that you make that make a uh, you know fill important holes in the lineup that's when you start talking about like hey maybe that you know we would start to think about putting in an adjustment for that so maybe that's something that we put in for the future it's a little like um, we did for the NFL, we put in quarterback adjustments because there was like a year where every starting quarterback was getting hurt. And we got really lucky because we had said the Eagles were favored in the Super Bowl against the Patriots because uh it thought that. Uh, Carson Wentz was still their starter it still had like elements of that from their uh fr- from earlier in the year because he was playing great and they were playing great at that time and so uh people were like aren't you going to dock the Eagles and I was like I wish we could we don't have a quarterback adjustment in the model yet we ended up lucking out with that but I don't think you can count on Nick Falls Leading your team to us. I mean, I don't need to tell you guys that probably <laughs> leading your team to a Super Bowl every year. So we put in a quarterback adjustment that now knows when a, a quarterback is out. And that's a similar situation where our research has shown that and you see this with the Vegas lines too. non quarterbacks in uh, football. Other positions, they just don't really move the line. They don't move the team's odds all that much. Maybe a very important receiver or defensive end or something like that would move it by like a half a point one way or the other. But if a quarterback goes down, you could see the line move like Aaron Rodgers misses a game last year. It moved it by like a, a touchdown or something. So, you know, I think it's similar where we see just. You know, baseball is such a, a, a sport of small things adding up over time that for any given one game, your accuracy of predicting it doesn't really change that much. If like one guy is injured from a lineup or you add, you know, you upgrade a little bit at shortstop, you know, or something like that.
1: You, 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 I'm actually gonna I'm gonna do my civic duty and pause us uh, for a moment here to take our ad break. Uh, Neil, this has been awesome so far. Uh, hang with us. We'll be right back on sharing socks.
0: Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones. Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast. Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com.
1: And welcome back to Sharing Socks. We're still here with Neil Payne, who has... Thrown out so many uh, ideas and concepts here that my brain is about to explode, but I think the geezer's hanging in there. Uh, so far, it's been absolutely fascinating. And uh, before we finish today, I am going to make you uh, give me a bold prediction for my Burbank Rec League softball team. Which, uh, <laughs> I think our well, rating... What's your OPS? <laughs> uh, well, I I haven't calculated that. I am batting a 1,000. Um Ooh. Personally, but we've also lost multiple games by more than 30. So
2: uh, <laughs> uh, let's keep our conversation going now. When, when you, you you go to – you mentioned all the sources you go to. Are there some – and you mentioned you, some, you lean on some that are forward-looking more than the ones <clears> – <throat> excuse me, that are backward-looking. Are the particular ones you found more reliable? Because you, you don't look at individual players. You're saying that other than the starting pitchers. Are there ones that you find – more valuable in evaluating the starting lineup in, in, in determining, I don't know if they use war values or, or what they may do. Um, well, we definitely love the, fair.
3: you know, we have a soft spot for Pocota, um, especially like you mentioned, Nate, uh, being the the alumnus of baseball perspectives and kind of the creator of the original version of that model. I also really love the fan graphs uh the the way that they update things in season where they have you know the the depth charts that change. That was a major inspiration for our NBA um, system there. So we give both of those it's almost like choosing between like your ch- your favorite children like we don't uh, we we don't really play favorites with that. We'll give those equal weight uh, relative to each other, but we give those things a lot more weight than something that is just you know kind of based like you mentioned backwards looking or based on uh leading indicators but things that may not you know tell us the full picture about the the team's roster right now i mean there's still a lot of value in that in terms of looking at teams that you know either exceeded or uh fell short of expectations based on something like run differential or something like uh predicted run differential if you really want to get into the weeds with things like uh base runs like they have at Fangraphs so you know those things still matter in terms of predicting which teams will do better or worse uh next year and those are kind of baked in uh to to some of the assumptions we make off the backwards looking things but then you know there's no substitute for projecting out the expected playing time and expected war of each player in a, in a team's lineup and and a team's uh, uh, pitching staff.
2: Now you've, we've we've done our ELO ratings. We're 1400, 1600, somewhere there. You've run your thousands and thousands of of seasons on your tiny little computer that you have in your hand.
3: (laughs) It's very tiny.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And, and you've come up with a record. For, for every team in the majors, which then changes if they win or lose when they were expected to win or lose, etc. cetera. Now you use those records then to go to a prediction of winning your division, making the playoffs, even winning the World Series and we get down to very small numbers. We have a situation, again, we'll use the White Sox example. You have them as a higher, better team than the Twins, but they're four and a half games behind the Twins. So you still have the twins as more likely. You guys are, you, you hedge a lot. Yeah. But a lot of more likely, <laughs> you know, as the more kind of our thing, to, <laughs> more likely team to win the division. How do you, how does it go from this, from though through those steps? Yeah. So
3: each individual, like simulated season you know because we do take the the current ratings and then we use those they almost branch out into like each each simulated season is its own little kind of snowflake of a of a universe where um we don't just base every game that a team has uh, over the rest of the year on their current rating you know like the White Sox right now are a 1528 they're not going to be a 1528 in all of their remaining games it actually would look at, at like you know, it'll have a simulation for their next game. And if they win it, then their, uh, their odds in this universe, their, their ELO rating would go up to like a 1530 or something. And it moves around. Uh, so if they go on like a super hot streak in this uh, fictional universe that we're kind of playing out, which again is like one of a hundred thousand, then their rating will kind of rise. And it creates this, it, it mimics the way real baseball works in the sense of, you know, in the, in the, seasons where you get really hot and they're special seasons and they're magical years, you're obviously going to be a better team in those subset of years where you win a division or you go to the playoffs or you go to the world series, then you are in sort of the average season across all possible outcomes that you have over the rest of the year. So we try to kind of mimic that by running these, these uh, ratings hot and these simulations hot where it's like uh, your performance is, is modeled also in kind of a real time fashion. even for remaining games in the year and so we think the advantage of that is it gives first of all it gives a much more realistic um distribution of outcomes for a team because you know if we just use like a static rating of what we thought a team was right now that doesn't really take into account the uncertainty that we have around each team's kind of true quality which we know we're only what a, a third of the way in the season not even that um We, we know that there's so much variance around, uh, what we think of as a team's true quality right now that you have to account for that uncertainty, uh, around each team. And so we think that that's kind of an elegant way of doing that. And it creates these great little like, you know, snapshots where like, I don't have the simulations in front of me, but you could call out like a random number, like, give me simulation 53,220. I could conceivably go into that, find that and actually give you the standings from that particular, uh, alternate universe and tell you, Hey, how did the White Sox do? Did they make the playoffs? Did they, you know, go to the World Series? And, you know, in, uh, in 3% of, uh, all the simulations that we run, they win the World Series. So maybe that, that random one that I just called out, they, they did win the World Series in that. So it, it is this kind of almost like, Uh, view of the, of, of the multiverse of possibilities that each season has that I think actually kind of speaks to how we all feel about baseball too. And the way that, you know, we don't know what is in store for a team. And you saw it even last year with the Atlanta Braves. I'm not going to sit here and say that we thought that they were going to, you know, go on that run that they did in the second half of the season, but there will have been some simulations where the, the thing that actually did happen played out in, in our, you know, predicted, uh, uh, situation in one of those alternate universes so it does kind of capture those those weird things that do I think happen in baseball a lot more than other sports where like you could be a team that seems like they're left for dead and something happens that, you know, in the case of the Braves made a lot of really shrewd trades and guys picked up their performances and, you know, they were off and running, but baseball is a funny sport like that. And and it takes a lot of games to know a team's true quality more than we could ever actually play in a season. And that's what gives it that really unpredictable um, kind of style to it that, that I think we're all kind of drawn to.
2: Yeah. i read Somebody at five thirty eight might might have even been you saying that baseball is the hardest sport to predict because it is so the, the events can be so random. Oh uh, not
3: only is it the hardest sport to predict, but I believe and and we have this uh interactive called checking our work where we look at our predictions across everything. I believe the single most difficult thing to predict across everything that we do, whether it's politics, sports everything is baseball predictions. It's kind of funny when you think about it that way, that like of, of all the different things that you could possibly predict, baseball is the one where you have to make the prediction for like a given game closest to 50, 50, uh, which would be a totally like coin flip. You know, it takes no skill to make a 50, 50 prediction for every single game. And yet Baseball is like only a little bit removed from that. Uh And I think that that's so interesting because it does speak to the inherent kind of chaos and, and randomness of the sport that, makes us interested in it. You know, uh, they there they're at the other end of the spectrum. It's less true now than it was a few years ago, but like the NBA is a very deterministic sport traditionally. And uh, the same teams tend to win over and over and over again, a little bit. You're getting a little bit of that, maybe even with the Warriors this year, if they, uh, if they end up winning, but it's not the same team, but it's got a lot of the same people. But the Warriors of a few years ago, it was like, Warriors are playing the Cavaliers every single year in the finals and that can be a little boring after a while whereas in baseball it's like you get a nice mix of like just totally weird random teams making the the world series you know uh over time and I the, when i was a kid and the yankees were there
2: every year but
3: well that i mean that's interesting too also is i think that um as they've expanded the playoffs and really done a lot of these things i
2: know that the the well, motivation the, the for that. and that kind of thing changed
3: everything. Yeah, the well, the motivation for all these things is not to give uh, a, a more random sample to statistics types like me. It's to make money uh, and to, and to get people interested, you know, and kind of make people feel like anyone could win. But a side effect of that is you really do get to see the different ways in which the structure of the game influences the randomness that comes into play. So yeah, if we went back to the system where like the team of the best record in each league just went straight to the World Series, yeah, you'd have a lot of dynasties. You know, you'd kind of get back that that uh, more predictable sense of the game. But they've taken it in the other direction, and it
2: shows no sign of, of letting up in that way. There's let's, let's go on to your game by game. Like, for example, uh, we're recording this on uh, a Thursday afternoon tonight, if it doesn't storm out. Uh, Michael Wanka, I guess, uh, Dallas Keichel, Red Sox and the White Sox. You put a huge – preference to home teams when you're picking games. I will, I will say it's on, on, on the uh, mobile site. You don't really show your work uh, as much on the on the full site. And 538 is really good about this and everything you do. If you're on the full site, You like, like we were taught in math class, you show your work every time. So I can look at every game and I can say, this is how much you gave to the team rankings. And this is how much you gave for the home team, which is usually 24 points on, on your scale. Although, you claim that the differential is based on how far they have to travel in the inconvenience, yet you gave 24 points to the Cubs for the nine-mile trip that the White Sox had to make up the <laughs> <laughs> to the I reason. think that that also has um, – it might have rest days
3: mixed into it. I don't know whether that – how that uh, worked yeah, into it as well, that's well, well but that's, that's another right. factor in,
2: in, in there. there. games, you are very – you're giving 52 to 48%. Your range maybe is 67, 33, down to what I expect, 50, 50. You can look at it. If somebody's on a mobile site, they don't see it. What are the steps to predict a game uh, that end up at a certain percentage?
3: Yeah, so the the base of all of the predictions is that ELO rating, uh, which takes into account essentially how the team has been playing with an emphasis on recent games and tries to estimate their true talent at any given time. Then we put that starting pitcher adjustment that I mentioned earlier onto it. So in this particular case, Keuchel, who has been getting lit up at times uh, this year? <laughs> I actually listened to that Guardians game where he gave up whatever it was, ten runs in the first, whatever it was. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, that that was brutal. But uh, so he's a minus 42 relative to the White Sox kind of baseline uh, pitcher, whereas Walk is only a minus six. So that takes sort of the Red Sox inherent three point Elo advantage and expands it out uh, at that point. Then the White Sox are playing at home, so that brings things back. You mentioned 24 points. That's basically the the uh, baseline um, that we give to a home team. And then there's these small adjustments that we make based on travel distance. Again, can't really explain why the uh, trip from the south side and the north side or vice versa was worth whatever it was in, in that uh, crosstown game. But um, also rest days, like I mentioned as well. We found that teams perform better when they are coming off more days of rest up to, I think, three uh, three days of rest, uh, which makes sense also. Uh, And so all those things are kind of added together to give you the the pregame rating, which is unique to each game because all of the different factors change. Uh, You know, you could have, even if your base rating stays the same across time, you're going to have different starters, sometimes you'll have more rest or less rest or less distance or traveled or more distance and so forth. And so that's how you get the, the, rating going into the game and then that's turned into a probability through the Elo uh, system which is essentially the same as it is for all the different sports that we look at um, and the same as it is in chess uh, really once you have the two Elo ratings it's very easy to kind of convert it to a win probability uh, for for any given sport the difference between the different sports is just the magnitude of kind of the range of the rating so you mentioned in baseball they're very compressed uh, you don't see See games where the favorite has really much more than a 60% chance most of the time or the underdog below a 40% chance. If you looked at this for football or for basketball, it's going to range a lot more. And, you know, sometimes you'll have uh, games where like the favorite in the NFL is like over 90% to win or something like that. Um, So uh, another reason why baseball is just such an unpredictable sport comparatively, we're trying to maximize the predictive accuracy of each of these game by game uh, predictions. And so in order to do that through our testing, we have found that you have to really hew close to that 50-50 for each game. And so, you know, you only get small differences from 50-50 to to get the best predictions.
2: How how much have changes in managerial use changed your algorithms through the years. I'm, I'm thinking of the use of openers and the use more generally of starters going many fewer innings than they did just a few so years So how
1: ago. has Kevin Cash altered what you
3: did? <laughs> yeah, well, it's interesting that, that you ask about that because – we had to put in a specific opener kind of tweak. Uh, we, we knew that the opener was kind of a thing for the past few years, but it was very isolated. Didn't really come up in like super important games. I guess you had, you know, some situations where like the Brewers threw out a a lefty to fake out the Dodgers and then took him out immediately and put in a righty. Like there are weird things like that, edge cases that we had to work with. But really in recent years, you're having, you know, teams put openers in crucial playoff games where it was just throwing our system for a loop. And we had to put in a very uh, special opener adjustment for that. Uh, so that changed it for sure. And even, yeah, the, the decreased use of starters affects our rating, not in a, a way that we sort of uh, set out to make a tweak to it or anything like that but just by simple nature of the fact that we use this stat called game score to create our pitcher adjustments it's a bill james stat where he grades a pitcher basically on like a zero to 100 scale it can go over 100 if you have like an awesome start so you know like carrie wood's 20 strikeout game or whatever that was over, a 100. It can
2: over zero too can it
3: yeah, I think you can go below zero. Maybe Keichel was below zero. <laughs> I think <laughs> I really don't want to pick on him, but, you know, uh, that's where we're at. Uh, but anyway, so uh, it, it can range in this uh, fashion for, you know, it's based on historical um, standards of what a great start or a really bad start look like. And those standards... Really have changed over time with different ways that starters are being used you're getting less impressive uh, game scores basically like the top range of game scores are, are you know you'll you'll have the occasional game that still looks like a, an elite start from you know 20 30 years ago or whatever but for the most part they're really not as impressive and so the pitcher ratings are sort of less Outlierish on either end, but especially on the high end than they used to be. And so then that filters into the game predictions because you will now see that when starters now have a lower predicted effect on the game, they're going to have a lower adjustment on a team's rating which will then cause them to exert less of a change on a team's win probability. So it's that's sort of a way that the the system kind of corrects for the way managers are using pitchers, but it shows up tangibly and sort of, you know, take your average ace from 30 years ago they're going to have a larger effect on the team's win probability than the average ace in 2022, just because they stick around less and they have less of an effect on the game and bullpens are being counted on to kind of carry more of the load and, and influence the outcome of games more. Well, that's about all the time we have. Um, I feel like I could listen to you talk
1: about this for days. <laughs> yeah, it's, been it's, great. it's so fascinating. Uh, because it's not a Yankee podcast, I do want to give you a, a quick chance to plug your Mets podcast on here. Can you remind me the name of that?
3: Yeah, it's called Panic City. And uh, we we put out episodes uh, once a week, uh, roundabout on Thursdays. Uh, and yeah, we just talk about the Mets and talk about how they've been doing with a focus on, we call it the podcast for the roiling emotions inside of every Mets fan. So it's really about this tension between, you know, our analytical side and uh, our pessimistic emotional side about how we know everything is going to work. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like as White Sox fans,
2: we can relate very, very, uh, closely to you. On, on <laughs> I, I want to quickly plug Five Thirty Eight uh, for those of you who have not gone to it. Five Thirty Eight, all small letters, dot all one word, all small letters, dot com. Uh, and I just, I, I it's the best. just, just do baseball and search, or even baseball predictions and search. You'll have to scroll a while because I keep updating. I can say Neil did this great piece you need to read on home runs and exit velocities and what's. More precisely what's happening other than, gosh, there aren't many homers anymore, That to, to take a real – because we're stats nerds, right? <laughs> take a look at it that way. But Neil, thank you ever so much for coming on with us. It's been terrific.
3: I really appreciate it. Uh, appreciate your flexibility with my schedule. And, uh, yeah, I'd like to come back anytime. Awesome. Well, uh, thank you again, Neil. We appreciate it. And we appreciate you all listening, especially you, Dallas Keuchel.
1: I know this was a hard one to get through, but we hope you're doing Okay. Thank you so much, and we will see you next time on Sharing Socks.